Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Excited this morning, we are wrapping up our sermon series called Firm Foundations. And for the last four weeks, this being the fifth week, we've been looking at the book of Acts. And it's funny is because on a holiday weekend, you usually don't want to end a very important sermon series because you're always going to have a ton of people away, but, but that's okay. God's plan for, for his purposes. Um, but we've been looking at Acts, and we've been looking at the early church. And when we planted the plant 15 years ago, my vision was to learn to do it as they began to do it in the beginning. That was my vision, dreaming of what could be, amen? What could be? And I think about whether it be life, whether it be achievements, whether it be relationships, or whether it be the church, there's this dream of what we expect things to be. We have a picture, we have an idea, we, we know what we want, We want to fall in love. We want to be happily married after. We want to be able to experience life to the fullest. But if we're honest with ourselves, so many of our dreams do not become the reality. And there's this tension. And I think the same is true of the church. I had shared a statistic a few weeks ago, a matter of fact, the first week of the sermon series. And I had said in 2015 that 60% of Americans attended a religious service once a month, a religious service. Notice how I didn't say Christian service, once a month. And 42% would say that, that faith was vitally important to them. And then I had shared that in 2023, June of 2023, that that dropped to 30% of, 30% of Americans go to church once a month. Let me rephrase that, a religious service once a month. That means Christianity, Judaism, Catholicism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam. And only 16% believe it's vital. And right now, as we see in our world, that our world is in a place of disaster. disaster. We saw what's going on in Israel yesterday. How many of us woke up and just started praying? Anyone just started waking up and praying and praying hard for the conflicts that are going on? Ukraine is still going on. There's so much that is going on in our world. And right now, this whole idea of faith is not what it should be. And we've lost that dream. I think oftentimes in our lives, we get so disappointed with it, whether it be events or individuals or organizations, that, that we lose the dream and the goal is just to kind of get through it. But when I look at scripture, that's not what I see. I see that Jesus gave us a vision for what should always be, whether that be with life, with dreams, with relationships, and especially the church. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up our sermon series by looking in Acts chapter 11 and 13 and see that there is an image. There is a group of people that set in motion the parameters for what the church should be. And Planned Family, this was always my dream. 
This was always Omar's dream. That we would be allowed to reimagine and relearn who Jesus actually is. To be able to reimagine and relearn who we are called to be as sons and daughters of God. To reimagine and relearn who the church is supposed to be on this earth. And plant family, one of the things that I love about our board is that I could say that the first time in 15 years that the board of the plant church has collectively said, we are all in. Not only to reimagine, but actually learn Jesus and what it means to not go to church, but more importantly, what it means to be the church. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you right now that your spirit would go out to your people collectively. Yes, God, I, I ask you first for us here this morning that your spirit would fill this room, that your word, your logos would be loud, and that your rhema, your spirit would be speaking in us, to us, through us, so that we would experience the fullness of who you are. God, we ask you today that you would invade our world, that you would be with all of those who are in a state of war. And God, this is happening in the Ukraine, this is happening in Israel, and you are asking your church to pray. God, this is a season that we need to put down all of our political agendas, all our personal biases, and ask you to step in a way that maybe we have not seen you step in in many, many years. God, as I've been finding myself reading the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, that God, it seemed as if you were silent, but yet you were not silent. You were preparing for a new move of your spirit. God, in Ezekiel, it says, it says that you would take the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. And God, I ask you that you would take our hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh. In other words, that which has been dead, unbeating, would become alive again. Jesus, help us to reimagine, to relearn the real Jesus. Help us let it, what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And help your church throughout the world to finally get back to its roots and be the church. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We're going to start off in Acts chapter 1 because this is really the kickoff of the early church. I'm going to jump through several different passages. And if you've noticed over the last several weeks, I really do start in Acts chapter 1 every time. Because what we want to do is we want to follow the command of Jesus he was the one who commissioned the church. He says this in, in Acts chapter 1, 7 through 8. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea. In Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this part of the, 
the Acts beginning is because Jesus has been risen from the grave. And I love when you study history, it says that over 500 individuals saw the risen Christ. That's a lot of testimony, right? Imagine if you only went to the 11. Everyone could say, like, you're lying. You're making it up. It's not true. Jesus met with over 500 individuals. Josephus, one of the greatest historians in the early times, said that 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 was a mark of who he was. The funny thing about Josephus was he wasn't even a follower of Christ, but he said there must be something real to this individual for him to not only be risen from the grave, but for over 500 individuals to have an account with him. Jesus was very deliberate. He gave a command. He said, go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, he gave him a very specific command. And he was setting the stage and setting the stage to send the church, the people of God, the ecclesia, to go into all the world to change the world. You see, I think we've lost the vision that the church is supposed to be the sending place where the world is changed. And the world is changed because the people of God are changed. I mean, if you really have had a living, breathing encounter with Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that what it says in Acts chapter 1? And the power of the Holy Spirit, your world is forever changed. Everything about you will be different. Do you realize that? Like, if you look in the mirror or people see you and be like, man, you're no different. I don't know if you've ever really had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I think you may have made a claim that, like, Jesus is Lord and I love Jesus and he's a good dude and, and he did this amazing thing for us. But, but if you've really received Jesus, what Jesus tells us is that we would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Not about doing things, but rather that Jesus is doing something new in each one of us. And Jesus sends out the disciples. And he says, take my Holy Spirit and go change lives forever. I love when I look around the plant that lives have been changed forever. Not for a little bit, not for a season, but there are lives that have been changed forever. And like Peter, no matter what happens in your world, no matter how many things are thrown at you that you can honestly say, where else can I go but Christ? He's the one who's changed me. He's the one who's given me hope. He's the one who's given me a vision. A vision. He's the one who's given me a future. He's the one that took my anxiety and brought me peace. And so we see Jesus sending his disciples and saying, that which I've done in you, you go bring so I can do in other people. Amen? Amen. Love it. Let's jump down to Acts chapter 11, 19 through 21. Here's a problem. They missed the point. Any of us ever been given such hope and we've missed the point? Anyone, right? Like, like you've been given such great instructions and you know exactly what to do and it's like you, you missed the point. Well, like us, they missed the point too. Acts 11 Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch 
of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. Listen to this. They were scattered, but they only preached the word of God to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles, believers, believed and turned to the Lord. You see, here's what happened. Yes, the early church went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the world. But the problem is they scattered improperly. They unintentionally multiplied. And all they did was they tried to look for like-minded people. It says in Acts chapter 11 that they only preached to who? The Jews. But when Jesus brought the message of the gospel, the good news, he said the message of the gospel goes to who? Everyone, Jew and Gentile. And in that, the disciples did what we do. We only go to those who are most like us. Anyone do that? Anyone? Right? Okay. Anyone? Somewhat, sometimes, right? All of you are lying because I see all your friends on social media. They look like you. They act like you. They drive the same cars. Do I get an amen? That's a bad amen, by the way. Right? Think about that. But that's what the, that's what the disciples did. They only went to those who were like them. But there was one group of people that went to Antioch. And when they went to Antioch, they saw so many people hungry for spiritual matters, spiritual fulfillment, spiritual truth. And when they went to Antioch, they saw beyond themselves and they said, actually, this message is for everyone. Because if you know anything about Antioch, it wasn't like it was a city full of Jewish people. It was filled with everyone. The diversity was great. And I love the word preach because we have such a misinterpretation of preach. When we think about preach, you think about what I am doing right now, right? Like Rob is preaching to us. No, the word preach simply means this, to share, to proclaim, to have confidence in that which you believe in. And, and I love what it says. It says that, and the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them. I mean, think about that. The power of the Lord was with them. So what does that mean? Everything that Jesus had done and everything the early church was doing between Acts 1 and Acts chapter 11 in Jerusalem and areas with lots of good Jewish people was happening now in Antioch. What are the good things? Healings, deliverances, life changes, miracles, signs and wonders. Things were happening. And in Antioch, this was taking place. And so you see Antioch and all of a sudden word spreads. Think about that. Word spreads when something good is happening. Do I get an amen? 
You hear something good, you hear about this new restaurant, you're like, wow, did you hear about that new place? Yeah, I wasn't really sure about it. I was going to try it out, but I, but I wasn't really confident in yet. I wanted a few more people to, to see if they got food poisoning or not, right? Right? Like, yeah, hopefully they, they have some good wings, but, but I don't know if they can beat the Mawa Bar and Grill, right? So it's like one of those things, like, but all of a sudden, lives were changing and things were happening. And the sad part of all this is that Jesus gave a simple command. Go everywhere. And I promise you that when you go everywhere, I'll be with you. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Lives will change. The miraculous will happen. And the sad thing with the early church is the only reason they left Jerusalem was because of persecution. It's the only reason. Stephen was stoned. James was put to death. Remember that? Everyone started freaking out. People probably started leaving the church because when things get hard, what do people do? They scatter. And then all of a sudden you see Peter, there's more persecution. The number one guy, the lead guy is thrown in jail. But then Jesus shows up. Jesus sends his angels, unlocks Peter from prison. And Peter goes to the house of John Mark's mother, Mary. And he bangs on the door. Remember we talked about this last week? And they were freaked out. They thought it was Peter's angel. And so they left him outside. But when they came in, when they came in, they realized like, wow, God is still at work. And they scattered. And when they scattered, the very thing that was happening early on in their church's ministry was happening with them. What is? What should be? I look at so many churches, and they do the same thing. They do the same thing. The goal is get people to church on Sunday and, and good luck throughout the week. No, that's not the church. The church should be a discipling, life-changing place where things are happening all the time. If you want to know if you are part of a biblical church, everything that was happening in Acts should be happening in that church. And if it's not happening in that church, that's probably not the church that you should be going to. Strong statement. But isn't that what Jesus was telling the church? Go. Show them what is the church? So, do we have people coming to Christ in our church? Amen. Do we have people set free from the, the demonic in church? Amen. Amen. Have we had people healed in our church? Amen. Have we had marriages healed? Amen. Have we seen things that are not supposed to be the norm of our human understanding? And my answer is, amen. And for me, that was the mission that I was setting out on. I didn't want to play church. I didn't want to do church. I didn't want to go to church. I had this deep longing that if Jesus said it, that settles it. This is what the church has to look like. Even in Bergen County. 
let me ask you, have you experienced the power of God? Have you seen that your life change brings life change to others? And if you see that, you then are being the church. We forget this. I say this all the time. Our vocations, God has given us them for one purpose alone, to be our gospel vehicles. Every one of us has a position in which God provides through that for us. But do we look at our vocations as gospel opportunities? Because when I look at the disciples, that's what I see. You know what I love? Is that when something good is going on, people say, we want that. We want that. I want that. And so we oftentimes try to attach ourselves to something where we really believe that God is in it, God's going to show up, and something amazing is going to happen in our lives. And that's what happened in Antioch. Look at this. It says in Acts chapter 11, 22 through 26, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And I love this last part of it. It was Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. We want that. The leaders of one church heard what was going on into Antioch and they took a really good man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say he was an amazing teacher, amazing preacher, that he did signs and wonders and he had all these spiritual gifts, but rather this, that he was a good man who was fully in love with Jesus, fully filled with the Holy Spirit, and they sent them to go to Antioch. And they sent him to go to Antioch because they wanted him to report back to them. Is this legit? Is this real? Is what's really happening as we hear it being said? And Barnabas, a good man, says, wow, it's almost like the church is being rebirthed in Antioch. Everything that was happening in Jerusalem is happening away from Jerusalem. Oh yeah, I remember Peter telling me that Jesus told them to go to the ends of the world, to send them out. And the only reason the, only, the church did not go to Antioch in the very beginning was out of fear. Fear kept the church paralyzed. You see, oftentimes fear and familiarity paralyze us. They keep us just kind of close to home keeping us close to what we're most comfortable with. I mean, think about this. When you go to a church 
And you hear about people being delivered from the demonic. Anyone get a little squeamish in here? Anyone? Right? Anyone? Yeah? Okay, good. Well, listen, I think in some ways we all need to be delivered from something. Amen? We all need to be delivered from something, but it's true. We get squirmish. We get squirmish. What about someone being healed? Anyone get squirmish? Right? Come on, anyone just me? No? Sort of? Maybe? Right? Little, little, right? It's weird. Like, if you've ever heard someone being healed of cancer, what do you always expect? Let's see how long that lasts. Right? We second guess it. What happens when we see, like, this, this horrific marriage that the dude should have left and never been allowed back in the house? And God totally encompasses that couple and transforms their lives. And this hellish situation sets them on a course to finally live the marriage that God has called them to be. Do we really believe it? Do we? I think most people don't truly fully believe in the power of Jesus. That when Jesus says it, it settles it. It's done with. And so Barnabas comes back. And he's like, wow, it's really, really happening. And I love what Barnabas does. He goes and he finds Saul, who changed his name to Paul. And Paul was the one who caused the persecution in Jerusalem. Matter of fact, the reason the church scattered and began to scatter was because Saul, who is now Paul, gave the command to have Stephen stoned. It says that the guards threw their coats at the feet of Saul while they stoned Stephen. Think about that. And all of a sudden you're thinking like, anyone is allowed to know Jesus except for who? Saul. But Jesus desires to change all lives. Every life, every single life, Jesus can transform. All we need is an open heart. If we have an open heart, we allow ourselves to be fooled by the presence of God. And so Paul was filled by the presence of God. So powerful. And I love, here's what happened. The early church said, we want that. We want that. Know what I love about our church? That there are multiple churches around that say, we want that. Over the last three weeks, two of those weeks, myself and Omar got to train six other churches. And those six other churches, when we were telling stories of people in this room and in West Milford and in Second Service and people who moved away, all of them said is, we want that. We want friends whose lives are changed so much that their friends' lives are changed by Jesus. We want that. We want to believe that when we pray, the Holy Spirit shows up and does the work that we read in the Gospels and in Acts. We want that. And I really believe the church has lost its hunger. It's almost like a relationship gone bad. And trying to retrust relationships again. I really think that the, the, that the heart of the church is like a divorced heart. Is the church really willing and able to ever trust what the church is supposed to be? Think about that. 
Do we really believe? If the church has already failed me once, twice, three times, is this just another smokescreen to be failed again? And I actually believe right now in history that there are many churches right now that are running after who was the church. And how do we manifest that same thing that changed the world? Let's look at Acts chapter 13, 2 through 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. I love how Barnabas stayed at this one location for a year. And he had Paul stay with him. And they stayed there for a full year because they they were saying to themselves, this is what I believe. If we were ever going to be able to take that which is happening here, we must spend time around it. We must spend time in it. We must learn what they're doing. We must see how they're ministering. We must actually get the faith that they have. And so for a full year, Barnabas and the one he was mentoring, discipling Paul, stayed with him for one full year. And they believed in their hearts what will be. What will God do through us next? And for one full year, they they learned, they trained under people whose names aren't even written in Acts. Do you ever realize that? That the people that I'm talking about in Antioch, we don't know these individuals. Their names are not spelled out in chapter 11, 12, or 13. And I love that because we live in a world that we want our names to be known. And we only do things if our names are known. What would it be if Jesus literally appeared to you in the middle of the night and he said, I'm going to use you to change the world, but your name will never be written down in history. Or you can do something really, really small, but I'll let everyone know who you are. What would you choose? What would you choose? And so you have this group of people in Antioch that we have no idea their names. We have no idea their vocations. All we knew is that the power of God was upon them and they were multiplying like crazy and God was doing amazing things. Barnabas goes up, grabs Paul, and everything is just happening at once. And they said, it's not supposed to stay here. It's supposed to go. It's supposed to go. It's supposed to go because the church is always supposed to go. The church is supposed to be a living, breathing organism, not organization, not business, not an institution. It's a living, breathing body that God has created. 
And I love how it says that they were praying and fasting. And they said it not only once but twice that in their time of praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit anointed two people, took on two people, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them out to continue. And when you look at what happened in Antioch, it should actually believe to be the norm. When you study history and you look at Antioch, it says that there's between 400 to 600,000 people in the city of Antioch. So let's call it 500 people. 500,000 people. 500,000 people will say lived in Antioch. Do you know how many people became Christians in Antioch? 200,000. That's a percentage. I'm really bad with math. What's the percentage of 200,000 out of 500,000 people? What's that? 40%. Imagine. Imagine. I really knew the answer. I just want to see if you guys were awake. <laughs> Imagine if 40% of all of our communities came to Jesus, what would that look like? Wow. 25,568 people live in Mawa. If you study the consensuses, the censuses, those numbers have dropped. Almost 2,000 people in the last eight years have moved out of Mawa. Over 2,000 people have moved out of Mawa. Do you know that? Or have passed away? 2,000. Mawa's getting smaller. It's not getting bigger. What would 20% of, what would 40% of that be? We would have to buy amazing savings. What happened in Midland Park? Or Ramsey? Or Upper Saddle River? Or Saddle River, can, can Jesus really win Saddle River for, for heaven? Do we really believe that, right? Dude, you know who needs Jesus more than anybody else? Saddle River. Seriously, have you driven around Saddle River? Like, I, I grew up in that area. Like, everyone has their castles on the hill, and they don't want to know anybody. But imagine if 40% of Saddle River came to Christ. I, I love it when it says that the first people who were called Christians were from where? Antioch. Imagine that. God was doing such a phenomenal thing in people's lives that it was like a holy COVID. Everyone was getting it. Everyone was getting it. And if you think you didn't get it, you actually got it. You just didn't have the symptoms. Right? I'm one of those guys like, never got COVID, never got COVID, na 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 na. Right? Like, that's me. Like, me and like one other person in the whole world have never, quote unquote, gotten COVID. Right? But imagine that. If your lives were changed so much, you invited Jesus into every aspect of who you are, what would be? What would be? That's the only reason why I do my job. If I didn't believe in what will be, you hear how I'm saying that? Not what could be, what will be. I'd be owning a business right now. I'd be owning a little breakfast nook in Manchester, Vermont. I'd be doing something else. I would just be an attender. If I really didn't believe in what will be, I swear on everything good and holy, I would not be up here this morning. Because I believe the church of today is the same image of what the church was back then.
The question is, does the church believe that? You see, this is what happened. The church intentionally multiplied by identifying leaders so that there would be kingdom multiplication. The church intentionally multiplied as they identified leaders so that the kingdom would multiply. If Jesus has done something amazing in your life, guess what? He wants to multiply you. He wants to use you to be the change agent in someone else's life. And we, the plants, we are Christ-centered. We are discipleship-motivated. We are prayer-driven. We are spirit-compelled. But we are also multiple-minded in who we are. At 10.30, West Milford will be meeting. Mawa will be meeting. We believe in multiplication. Our goal is not to grow a kingdom here on Glasgow Terrace. Our goal is that every life will change and you will be so contagious that other lives will change as well. So in 2008, there's 28 of us that believed in what will be. And out of those 28, out of the first six months, people said, no, I want to go back to what that was. And I was like, I ain't going back. As much as I love that church, I ain't going back. There's something that we were sent out purposeful to do. And Jesus took those 16 individuals. And today there are over 500 people that call the plant their home church. We went from two groups to tons of groups. We started a whole movement called the Greenhouse Initiative, Greenhouse Environments, where we've trained over 11 individuals to either plant churches, be pastors, or BIWs, missionaries overseas. We're a church who not only has done all these things, but we are about church planting, whether it was West Milford, whether it was Hawthorne, or whether it's working with other churches to train them up and equip them to plant churches here, there, and everywhere. God has used us to be leading this movement called Launch, where we have been participating in helping over 60 other ministries to be kingdom-minded. And out of those 60 ministries, over 200 Leaders have been trained. Plant family. I really think that if we just keep coming to church and thinking it's about us, we've missed it. All I know is that everything that Jesus is doing in each one of us, he wants to do in others. Where you once thought you were isolated and alone, you were invited into a family of God that sees you, that knows you, that loves you, and God wants to use you to do the same for someone else. Yes, Ben, you can come forward, and you can start the keyboard thing behind me. I saw them all walk in at the same time. They just got back from Starbucks. But there's this idea that the church is supposed to be so dynamic with what God is doing in people's lives that they multiply. 
And it's not supposed to die. It hasn't died yet, and it never, ever will. When we were worshiping before, I got very emotional. And people say, well, you're just emotional. That's not true. I became highly emotional when I fell in love with Jesus. Because he who has been forgiven much, loves much. He who has been forgiven much, forgives much. And I know this. With everything good and holy. That Jesus wants to use this church. To bring true transformation to this area of New Jersey. Because that's biblical. That's biblical. We always talk about being theologically correct. But what we do is we don't take our orthodoxy and make it our orthopraxy. What do you really believe about Jesus? Because what you really believe about Jesus is lived out in your every day. And when you allow the fullness of Jesus to be in your life, people see it. People want it. Rick, Rick Lorino, who uh, prayed for offering, last fall we had seven men in our group, our little Bible study. And after one group, we were both really angry. We said, this is not, about, this is not what this is about, seven guys. That thing grew to 20-something men. Right now we have 30 men that are texted every week to show up on Tuesday mornings. Men who want to deal with their stuff so Jesus can transform them. This year, Monday mornings, there's a group of women. I was joking around with Sue. I, I pulled in on last Monday and looked like, 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 like a girl gang walking around the church, just praying for the church. It's amazing. Because of you, we have missionaries in, in Central Asia reaching an unreached people group that less than 1% of that whole country knows Jesus church we are called to multiply we are called that that which lives in us other people want other people need other people long for if we fill this room with thousands of people and have to move and move and move and it's just Christians coming from other churches and no one from our community is getting life change. We didn't do our job. But if we are gathering and people are coming that are hungry to know Jesus, whether Christian or unchristian, and their lives are being changed, then we are actually being the church. I want to challenge you this morning, whether you're visiting for the first time, or the plant has been your home church for a very long time, I want to challenge you, is that which is living and breathing and moving in you affecting others? Because if it is, we will multiply. God will do something amazing. We are a Christ-centered. We are a discipleship-motivated. We are a spirit-compelled we are a prayer driven and we are a kingdom multiplying, multiply minded church that wants to see God do more than we ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined.
I'm here because I believe in the what will be. What will be. I was cracking up this morning. Can I have a communion cup? And I was thinking about Jeremy Matthews. We all love Jeremy, right? If, if we remember him, right? For those who remember him or knew him. And I had this vision this morning. At, I was going to be 70 years old on stage. And Jeremy, who was 10 years younger than me, who would be 60 at the time, and he walked in, he's like, wow, it really happened. It really happened. Everything God put on your heart really happened. And then Jeremy goes to me, can I be part of it again? <laughs> and I said, no. Just joking. We are a multiplication-minded church. Jesus broke his body, gave his body. Not for some, not for a few, not for one, but for all. I invite you to allow your body to be broken for all so some would receive the good news of Jesus. Let's eat. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood, my blood of the new covenant. The new covenant, as we read in Joel chapter 2, is the Holy Spirit. You see, the only reason that we have life change, it's more than just believing in Jesus. It's because the Spirit of God lives in us and breathes in us. And here's what I want to challenge you this morning. When you drink the cup this morning, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet in such a way that you experience such life change that others see it. That the power of God lives in you. And here's my prayer. That this church would multiply like wildfire, not because of my preaching, but because of what God is doing in each one of your lives. I believe this room is filled with Barnabases. Good people. Good people who are filled with the Spirit of God. Let's drink together. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.